Hey, loyal listeners. There are two main ways I can use your help. One is to share this podcast with a hundred of your closest friends, of course, after rating and reviewing. And the second is that you can become a monthly supporter of this podcast. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes to learn more. I'm so grateful for all of you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So what was your idea? For the title? Yeah. Well, you know I like the ones that say, like, of mice and men, of this and that, of reeds and rolling pins. Uh-huh. <laughs> I but love we that. are Yes, I know. <laughs> I think there could be a better one. Mm. Mm. Can we have alliteration? No. Of mommies and Mozart? No. <laughs> of moms and Mozart? No. Oh, okay, what, what do you got? Chamber music guru, Karen. Do not want to be a guru? Well, I like being a guru. I just don't... I feel like it, it draws all the attention to me, and I felt like it's our conversation. We're well, equal. But it is my podcast. That's true. Oh, I see. So I'm what's different. It's pretty... Imp- it's, it's implied that I am there. Oh, I see. So how would you say it then? My mom, the guru. <laughs> chamber music chat with chamber music guru Karen Glitzen of the chamber music groups. <laughs> uh, let's try that again. Chamber, chamber music, music chats with guru Karen, who is my mom also. <laughs> That's perfect. Let's use that. Okay. Okay. All right. Welcome to Keeping Cup. I'm Ariana. I'm a professional cellist, yoga enthusiast, and I love doing impersonations of my friends. On this podcast, you'll hear candid discussions about what it's like to work in the classical music industry, as well as the ins and outs of maintaining a varied and balanced lifestyle. I'll also bring guests on to talk about their distinctive areas of expertise. I hope these little nuggets will brighten your day, and maybe you'll even learn something. Let's get into it. Hello everyone, welcome to Keeping Cup. I'm Ariana, your trusty host. And today's episode is gonna be a little bit different because I have a special guest who has insisted on being here. No, I want her here, actually. Um, It is my mother, (laughs) chamber music guru, Karen Iglitsen. And Karen, my mother, (laughs) was in a string quartet, a very well-known string quartet. She'll tell you about it. And they traveled the world, and she played first violin, and I want to hear a little bit about that experience. And we'll talk about chamber music and what it's like to be in a quartet. So, hi, Mom. Hi, Ariana. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Can you first just explain about the quartet that you were in and when in your life that all of that went down? (laughs) Sure. Well, I had been in graduate school as a violinist at the Yale School of Music in New Haven, Connecticut. And I was about one year out of school trying to figure out how I was going to make a living as a musician, probably trying to audition for an orchestra. And, you know, I really didn't have any opportunities at that time. I suddenly got a call from my dad, your grandpa, Al, 
who was the violist in the Philadelphia String Quartet, which had, had a major career and had been together for a long time. And they said that their first violinist was leaving and that they were kind of reorganizing. And um, let's see, what it was, they said, would you come and be the second violinist, they said. And I said, well, I think if I'm going to do it, I'll be first violin. Which, looking back, <laughs> was incredibly arrogant. Well, that is kind of your personality. <laughs> I mean, not the arrogant part, but the first violinist part. Yeah, very. I guess I knew I had leadership in my personality and that I probably wouldn't do well as second fiddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So, um, so I came out and auditioned with the quartet and got the job and so moved from Connecticut out to Seattle to join a quartet of world-traveled musicians who had been together for so long and had a huge repertoire. And uh, that's how I started. Wow. And how, how old were you? Uh, let's see. Out of grad school, would have been about maybe, maybe around age 25 or 26. Wow. I think I remember you telling me how many concerts a year you would play, but can you <laughs> remind me? Yes. Uh, we performed 80 concerts a year. And all over the world. Yes. Yes. What was your favorite place that you got to go? The favorite place? Hmm. Well, I know one of them. Which? India. That was it. That's what I was going to say. That was an amazing experience. And people just loved Western music there. Of course, they had the incredible tradition of 2,500 years of classical Indian music. But they're really appreciators of the, the classic Western music, and uh, yeah, it was that was amazing. Trap. I think we were there for six weeks. Cool. Um, and I became very interested in Indian, you know, art and history and Hinduism and all that. We have a lot of Indian art in this house. Yes. As sculptures. That is true. And art. Yes. It's pretty cool. So you were the first violinist of a traveling string quartet when you were 24, 25, for several years. And I think we should talk about the roles, the different roles of a string quartet, oh. of the members of a string quartet. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you said before that you don't think you could have been second fiddle. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to you? What is the first violin... What's the deal, Leo? <laughs> well, when, I, when I'm teaching students, I always tell them that the first violin is kind of this, the psychic or spiritual leader of the group. So, you do? Yeah, oh. I do. Um, because sometimes they think it's all about, like, just, I don't know, they, kids will think it's about playing better than everyone else or being able to boss them around and then give the cues so everyone comes in at the right time and ends at the right time. So it's not just about being a diva? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think you have, I mean, again, I'm thinking teaching-wise, you, you want people to collaborate and get, a, get along well. I see. Yeah. So I, I suppose thinking at it from a professional level, what did it mean to me to be first violin? 
was to be ex as prepared as I possibly could be, not just on my part, but to understand all four parts of the music and where I wanted it to go, what I wanted this, the different emotions to be, and, and all that, so that I could lead effectively and have a conviction that could be followed. Right. <laughs> cool. I, I can't imagine what it's like to be first violin because, well, first violin notoriously seems to have the most notes and <laughs> I could never, never play that many notes. I've never had to play that many notes before. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I have the cellist perspective. Yes. Which and I, I remember you discovering when you were quite young. Yes, and I also remember writing a paper about it. Oh. Some paper for high school or something about the unique role that a cellist plays in a quartet or something. I forgot Fanciful about that. like that. Yes. Relating it to my personality in life. Mm -hmm. But some of those things that I remember is really laying the foundation for everything else. So really having to be steady rhythmically and for the most part, harmonically kind of at the bottom. So you're, you gotta be in tune and ready to lay it down, you know, for mm -hmm. the, for the rest of the ensemble. So, oh, I remember I discovered that I could kind of, even though first violin may, may be in charge or think they're in charge, <laughs> I discovered that I actually had a lot of a lot of power, kind of secret power down there on the cello part. And I could kind of steer the group in certain directions. Yeah. yeah. How, how old were you when you remember having that? Because I, I have a memory of you in the living room with playing with kids and when you came up and said you had had that discovery. So do you remember that group? And no. I think you might have been about 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. And you whispered to me and said, I think I figured out that I'm really the leader. They just don't know it. <laughs> but it was well. The secrets about the out. Rhythm. Yeah, the secrets out. Cellists, you're really in charge. In case you didn't already know that, <laughs> but they probably knew. But it's like it's being in charge in a cool, subtle, easygoing way. Mm -hmm. Not in the dramatic diva. First violin watch way. me way. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, and when we listen to classical music together or like famous symphonies or quartets, you'll start singing along and you're singing, you're singing the cello part. Yes. Right? Well, yes. I mean, I view life from a cellist perspective and right. hear music from that perspective. And especially if I've played the piece before, I know what my part sounds like. And then you're always like, what are you singing? Like, I never even noticed that part. Yeah, such a first violinist. Yes. It's the cellist's view of life is, is really different, isn't it? So different. <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't talked about the violist's view, though. I guess we I mean, to... do we need to? <laughs> oh, no. We're going to hear from your violist friends. That's fine. They know. <laughs> they know I love them, <laughs> despite their instrument. <laughs> no. And mother, yes. why don't you tell us about this program that you started? Um, <laughs> it's called Chamber Music Madness. Yes. Well, do tell. I started it because given kids and their busy schedules, if you run a chamber music program and a quartet, there's always just one person on each part of the music. 
So inevitably, there's always going to be someone missing, either sick or going skiing or, you know, taking the SAT prep or something. So I got this idea to have a program where there would be no concerts so that we wouldn't have to worry about lack of preparation and then parents thinking it sounds awful and they want their money back. <laughs> so this program was designed to be all sight reading. So that was that was my vision. Is have, kind of revolutionary. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I don't think anyone had done anything like that. So, well, everything is as we know it. Usually in music, is we always just practice and rehearse for the performance. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't. That wasn't the goal. We didn't That's have right. that. Right. It was just about showing up and playing through advanced quartet repertoire with other you know similar aged kids and making friends yeah and kids would come from all over the area they would drive sometimes for two or three hours or well their parents would drive them mm-hmm. and uh, it was quite a social scene do you remember beside the music the things that would happen like at the breaks oh yes the... yes I do oh well of course there was snacks <laughs> I mean you can't have a, a fun extracurricular activity without snacks, in my <laughs> humble opinion. Um, but I also remember mystery moments, which were, as one can imagine, a mystery. <laughs> so can you tell us about some of those mystery moments? Well, I'd kind of like to know which ones pop out in your memory. Well, this is a difficult because we are both trying to interview each other right now. <laughs> I asked you first. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. The first mystery moment, I told them to put away the kids to put away their music stands, and I took out my fiddle and I played an Irish jig for them. And I had, um, whether they're violist or cellist or violinist, they had to learn this tune by rote. By ear, and most of the kids had never had that experience. It's not something that most classical music students study. Yeah. But there was one girl there that had Greta Gothard. Maybe you'll interview her sometime. Oh, I she should. had done lots of fiddling in her house, and so her parents were so excited that this program she could do chamber music and fiddling. So yeah, learning by ear, and then I mean I'm very into fiddling and dance and all that. So there was folk dance. So there was a, a strong theme of that going through the mystery moments. Yeah. Well, and it's fun to get people out of their comfort zones and put down their instruments and get them running around and dancing. And I'm sure some of them felt awkward and like, why are we doing this? But I think it turned out most people had a really good time. Yeah, so. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the times of madness. <laughs> good times. Well, sometimes I'd bring in guests. Yes. For various kinds of, usually some sort of cool kind of other fiddling or jazz or... Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that was Mystery Moments. Lots of fun. Well, speaking of different kinds of things, um, we have been enjoying during this time, one of our favorite things to do together, my mom and I play together, is we will grab some string quartet music and (laughs) 
basically maybe one person has the score and we kind of play a couple parts and try to sing the other parts of the quartet. So we're virtually playing a string quartet, uh, just the two of us. And that is kind of insane. Maybe we should record some of that for this podcast. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, we'll see if people want it. You know, you'll have to let us know if, if that's <laughs> something you, you'd like to hear. Well, singing and playing at the same time is also not something that you ever learn in music school, right? No. Yeah, usually not. So that that's a fairly rare thing to even... Well, and I'm not saying it sounds good when I'm you not do either. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting challenge to it sing is. and play at the same time, much less to try to do that on a difficult Beethoven quartet. So, for example, you're playing the cello part and singing... The what? first violin, whatever. Mm -hmm. the, well, it's easier to sing the melody, so whoever has the melody, I could sing that and play the cello part. And then my mom's looking at the score, trying to read second violin and viola at the same time. And it's yes. pretty pretty quirky over here. Yes. <laughs> we like our, our unique little hobbies. We do. We do. Now, we actually do have some recordings of the two of us playing together that we'd like to share. So mom, why don't you explain what those selections are? Yeah, we're gonna play some duos by the Hungarian composer Béla Bartók. And they're actually written for two violins, but we're gonna do them with cello and violin. And we're gonna play three out of the 44 that he wrote. He got the idea by going into the Hungarian countryside with his tape recorder and recording music that he heard in the villages. Yeah, so we're gonna play three and each piece, each song, has the English name and Hungarian name, so we will attempt to say both of them. <laughs> the first is Dance from Maramaros. Maramarosi Tonk. Wedding Song. Lacadalmas. Transylvanian Dance. Erdely Tonk. <laughs> we hope you enjoy them.
Yes. Care Bear. <laughs> it's been nice to have you as a guest for this first mystery moment episode. Ooh, I like that. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm sure I'll hear more out of you. Um, maybe I'll get more out of you too. Uh, maybe. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping Cup. Make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when new episodes are uploaded. Intro music is an original tune by my dad, Roger Nelson, performed by Roger on piano and my mom, Karen, on fiddle. Cover photography is by Natalie Gaynor. Thank you.